0: for September 2008. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They're an online leader in comics and trade paperbacks. Their discounts range from 38 up to 75% off the cover price. An example is the Spider-Man Birth of Venom trade paperback. It's written by our guest this month, David Michelinie, and the cover price is twenty nine ninety nine, and mail order has it for eighteen dollars and fifty nine cents. So check them out at mailordercomics.com, and tell them the crawlspace sent you. Welcome back, webheads. I'm honored to have one of my favorite Spider-Man writers over the years. It's David Micheliney. I got the name right. We got everybody. Did I get it right, David? As close as anybody can. <laughs> well, I appreciate. It. Thanks so much for taking time on your Saturday morning to talk to some Spider fans. Oh, definitely. And- and let's let's start at the beginning. I was doing a little research last night, and was Avengers one seventy three from July nineteen seventy eight. Was that your first Marvel book?
1: Uh, okay, now I have to check my uh, Avengers.
0: <laughs> what did you
1: one seventy three? One yeah. seventy three. Yeah, I did the script of that over a Jim Shooter plot. Yeah, tell me
0: how that how you got that job. Was that your first Marvel work? You said.
1: Yeah, I had been working for DC for five years. That's where I got my start, and uh, I had some problems uh, with them. Decided uh Maybe I didn't want to work with them. I quit my job there. I called Jim Shooter, and I said, uh, can I get some work at Marvel? And he said, would today be too soon? <laughs> uh, and he had been writing this this arc, the story arc, uh, in the Avengers, and he sent me like uh, a 17-page story, 17 pencil pages, and talked about the plot. He didn't do uh, written plots at the time. So uh, I put dialogue on that, and then I guess my first three... Uh, first three stories at Marvel were uh, scripts, Avengers scripts over Jim Shooter plots.
0: Ah, and then you eventually got onto the Iron Man book, I think, was your next... Uh...
1: Yeah, yeah, when Jim left Avengers, uh, he let me continue on to it, and then the, my second book was Iron Man with, uh, with Bob Layton.
0: Right. Now, your first tackling, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think Marvel Team-Up number 103 was your first tackling of Spider-Man from March 1981. Does that sound about Right.
1: Marvel <laughs> uh, Number one oh three? Yeah. I, I don't know if that's my first, I don't remember the timeline, but uh okay. yeah, I, I did that one. But uh was that did that come before my first amazing? I
0: uh, I think well, it was two oh five, is that was your first?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'll,
0: okay, have... It, it, I'll have to not, look.
1: Yeah, I don't have those copies right in front of me.
0: Tell me tell me, uh your have you always had a love for the character of Spider Man?
1: Spider Man's my favorite comic book character ever. Awesome. He's, He's a character that got me back into reading comic books as a, quote, adult, unquote. <laughs> um, I had given up comics. I had a huge closet full of comics, and I, I hit high school. And back at that time, it was like, oh, adults don't read comic books. So I, I, I <laughs> trying to move myself into adulthood. I gave that entire closet full of comics away, which could probably buy me a small island if I had <laughs> to them now.
0: That's even, a, uh, that's even a worse story. Your mom didn't throw them away. You threw them away.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't even blame someone else. You know? <laughs> but uh, I was in college, I was playing in a band, and I was at a, at a bass player's house. I was sitting, We were sitting around just talking, and I was sitting on this big uh, uh, footlocker. And he says, uh, Can you get up there now? I've got to get something out of there. And he opened it up, and it was full of comic books. And this guy was like, I was 20. He was 21. Right wow, you read comics? And, oh, yeah, Marvel Comics. Spider-Man's great. He's like real people. And so I went out to a local Seven Eleven and I bought a, uh, a couple of issues. They had an old issue, and the current issue is a two-part story. And I read it, and I was just blown away. I mean, like, yeah. my God, this guy runs for an elevator, and it closes.
2: You know, like <laughs> he does when
1: you or I run for an elevator. He doesn't, everything is, he doesn't step out on the street and call a cab, and it's right there. He's, you know, he's a real person. Yeah. I got hooked on Spider-Man, and I've loved the character I ever since.
0: And I was just looking it up as you were talking. June 1980 was Amazing Spider-Man 205, so that that preceded that team-up issue. That was one of the second appearances of the Black Cat, I think.
1: Oh, uh, the, the Spider-Man?
0: Yeah, the amazing the one. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 right. Yeah,
0: and you were one of the first uh, writers ever to tackle the Black Cat. Did you always have a fan? How did that it- assignment come about? Because that's the that's the main Spider book.
1: Right. If I remember correctly, that was uh, Marv Wolfman <laughs> uh-huh. writing the book, and he plotted a two part story with the black cat, and he wrote the first part, and then he left Marvel.
2: Okay. And
1: he took his plot with him. <laughs> so okay. I was asked <laughs> to write a second part to a story that I couldn't read a plot for. You know, I mean, I, don't, yeah. I have no idea where Marv was going, so I just read the first part <laughs> and then made up a second part to end it.
0: Well, there you go.
1: That's how that came about.
0: (laughs) Then you wrote uh, Spider Man a few more times in Team Up. And it looks like 142 with the first, uh, or with the female Captain Marvel. And you had him in the new symbiote suit. Is that how you say it, symbiote? Suit?
1: I say symbiote. Symbiote. Tomato, tomato. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Tell me a bit about that. You you got to, there was a brief couple years where you didn't tackle Spider Man.
1: Okay, now you're talking about. Uh, an issue of Team Up now? Uh-huh,
0: 142 with Captain Marvel, the new Captain Marvel.
1: 142, I'm looking at...
0: Da, 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 da. You must oh, be in front of yeah. a computer also with your... Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't have the comics, but I have my, my history here. Yeah. yeah that, was a, was that, a, that was a two-part story. It was right. Two issues yeah. in a row.
0: You had Star Fox come after that, I think. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I have no idea. <laughs>
0: that
1: was a long time ago. It was just. Yeah. It was a, always a kick to write like Spider-Man, so I would take any opportunity that was offered. Right. Um, so I, I honestly don't remember how that. I'd have to look through them. That's one of the problems with uh, a live interview. With a you know interview via email, I can go to the little <laughs> stacks and pick out the comics and reread them and, and answer. Yeah. In all honesty, I. I I have no idea about that
0: story. Well, I was talking to JMD Mateus and he was talking about how or actually it was Roger Stern. He talked about how Team Up was kind of like the the throwaway Spider-Man book. No one wanted to write that book. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, I actually uh I downloaded your uh your podcast with him and, and yeah heard that
0: yeah was, was that true i mean but you said you wanted any chance to write spider-man you can but i, I mean i'd jump at it if i was throwing a bone
1: <laughs> yeah. oh sure well this was a pretty tasty bone
0: yeah no um, kidding <laughs> uh
1: so yeah i wrote uh, according to me i wrote like what was it six yeah six issues of of, of team up over yeah like, about 40 issues or so there and uh yeah i don't know if it had a regular book i was never offered the regular book yeah but it, it it it's it would be i think it would be difficult to write you know on a regular basis because you really it would be difficult to have continuity
0: no kidding because
1: you wouldn't have a lot of control over the character of where he was It would almost have to take it out of continuity into its own little universe
2: yeah. and then
1: having spiderman uh, stories where Spider-Man conveniently crossed paths with a new hero every issue <laughs> it would be kind of tough to make work uh, yeah. but, you know uh, doing it as a villain, wasn't i don't think it was much yeah. of a problem
0: and that led up to uh, tackling Spider-Man again with the web of Spider-Man number 8. And I guess you got the regular gig uh, in 86 with the first cameo of Venom. Is that right? No, web 18?
1: Ah, uh, Web 18, Web 18. Uh, yeah, that was the first cameo of Venom, right? I, I started, right. I kind of lost your track there. I, uh, no, issue 8, web, was my first Right. First on web, and then I, I started working the what would, would have been the Venom character, and right. yeah. You know, how
0: did how did you get the assignment of web of Spider-Man? Because you were the regular writer on there.
1: Yeah, that was it. Was that was an amazing, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> thrill. Uh, Jim Owsley, who is now uh, Christopher Priest, changed his name is, uh was editing the book at that time, and I had done a, a graphic novel, a, a Revenge of the Living Monolith, for uh, right. uh, for Jim. And so we had worked together, and Webb came open, and uh, I was, happened to be in the offices, in the Marvel offices, uh, just hanging out after work, you know, waiting for, for people to get off work to go to dinner, and uh, I, I sat down at Jim's, uh, Jim Shooter's uh, secretary's desk, and there was a stack of mail and stuff, and I just happened to notice a note on the stack of comics saying, uh, send these to Michelini. he's the new writer on Webb. It was from Jim Owsley, and, and who mm-hmm. had not been in, in the office. So that's how I found out I got the assignment.
0: Right. Um, like,
1: oh, I'm, I'm writing web right, of Spider-Man? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's how I got it. It was, it was a, a big surprise, but apparently Jim had liked my work on the graphic novel, and uh, yeah. that book opened. He gave
0: it to me. Your first issue, number eight, has a beautiful cover by Charles Vess of Spider-Man hanging upside down.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm
0: looking at it right now. It's beautiful artwork. I, I wish yeah, Vess yeah. would do more uh, Spider-Man.
1: I've had lots of good luck with artists over the years, especially yes. Spider-Man. That's that a great cover, yeah.
0: Yep. Uh, and talk a bit about that Web 18. I, I, I don't have the panel in front of me, but there's, if I remember correctly from the storyline, someone pushes Spider-Man towards a subway.
1: And, yeah, a hand comes out of the crowd and pushes yep. him onto the tracks.
0: Yes. And you, the original intention is what I've read from past interviews is you really wanted Venom to be a woman. Is that correct?
1: Initially, she was a woman, yeah. Um, yeah. There was supposed to be, oh, the whole The whole idea is that whenever I write a character, I try to utilize the unique aspects of that character. And one thing that Peter Parker had that no one else had was his spider sense. So uh, I was thinking, you know, this is, you know, someone swings at him from behind, and it's, it's a reaction, he doesn't even think about it, he ducks. And this has saved his life so many times. I started thinking, well, what if there was a villain who didn't trigger that spider sense? How would yeah. he react? How would he cope with that? And they had already established in Secret Wars that the black costume didn't affect Peter's Spider-Sense. Right. So I started working out a character who would have join with the symbiote costume and actually be a villain. And I had thought my original origin story was a woman who was pregnant, and she uh, her husband was trying to flag a cab. She was going into labor. And a cabbie was driving along, looking up in the sky at the living monolith, tying it in with that graphic novel, and Spider-Man fighting the living monolith. And,
2: oh, oh wow, man, there's
1: Spider-Man. And he comes out, and he, and he hits the husband and, and kills the husband. The, the shock of this sends the woman into premature labor, and she loses her child, uh, all because the cab driver was watching Spider-Man. So her, she became unhinged, and when she got out, she had this, this... this Uh, fanatical hatred of Spider-Man blaming him on the loss of her husband and her unborn child Mm -hmm. and she that drew the symbiote to her and she became one with the symbiote and was going after Spider-Man
0: wow that's
1: where that started
0: I I, I love that origin that sounds great
1: I, oh, thanks maybe I'll
0: do it with another character <laughs> so, <laughs> go over to maybe uh, Batman or something I don't know well I'll keep it in Marvel <laughs>
1: uh, okay, okay.
0: <laughs> and David uh, Mark Silvestri uh, was your artist on web uh, those first few web issues 18, 19, 20 it looks like uh, and yeah. you you had a chance to work with some great artists as you said like a lot of the early image guys uh, Silvestri McFarlane Larson etc what was it like to work with those guys
1: well like I say I've had a lot of luck um Mark was great i, I loved what he his had an interesting look uh good storyteller you know nice guy. I met him once you know a little dinner after work kind of thing at my, in new york and uh it it was great you know it, it's, the better the artist you've got, the better script you're gonna do so yeah
2: could you
0: a, with yeah. Silvestri, could you tell uh, with the uh early stuff that he was really talented right off the bat
2: oh, of course, yeah, you not
0: exactly <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, and then it looks like after you went on web, you get the the bump up to the main Spider gig with uh Amazing Spider-Man 290, and and uh, the annual number 21. And what's it like to hop into a a job that big? And your first task is you sta- change the status quo. You're marrying off Peter Parker. What's that like? Was it? I, I imagine was that wasn't your idea, was it, to marry him? Oh off? no 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 no
1: no. Okay. <laughs> I, well, first off, it was it was mixed feelings. Mm-hmm. I got kicked from Web to Amazing <clears throat> because I really liked doing Web because yeah, I started I think with issue eight, so there wasn't a whole lot of history that I had to live with and uh, adhere to. It was right. like I thought, okay, Amazing Spider-Man has had almost 300 issues. I've had like eight issues of Web. I can make my I can make my my mark on Web as Spider-Man. Right. I can make that David McLean's Spider-Man, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, do my own thing. It's, although there were there were limitations. On the other hand, Amazing Spider-Man is Spider-Man. You know, everyone. Yeah. When you mention Spider-Man, that's the comic you think of. Right. And uh, it's literally a dream job. How could I turn that down? How could anyone turn down writing Amazing Spider-Man? That, that's so, that's a promotion. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Oh. Uh, I've just written a line for Marvel for free. There you um, go. <laughs> As far as the wedding is concerned, yeah, I, I was, it was a little disappointing because while writing Webb, uh, uh, Jim Owsley wanted to make the three Spider Man books at the time individual. They uh, have their individual tones. He wanted Amazing to be the standard superhero, supervillain Spider Man. He wanted Spectacular, which uh, Peter David was writing at the time, to be the, the gritty, uh, realistic Spider Man. And Webb of Spider Man, he wanted to be. Wanted Spider-Man. Eight out of twelve issues wanted him to be outside of Manhattan. He wanted him to go to different places, have different settings. Uh, so I have Spider-Man in, like in West Virginia in Kansas. and Kansas. That wasn't the Spider-Man I read. You know, when I got yeah. back into it in college, <laughs> you know, Manhattan is one of the major characters in Spider-Man. Right. So here I'm, I finally get a chance to write the Spider-Man I always loved. And now I got to get him married.
2: <laughs> I mean, I didn't
1: write read him as a married guy. He was a student. You know. Right. So it was, I didn't like, I thought it's, it's something like, it's, it's, if you get him married, he can never be single again. He can be yeah. widowed or divorced, but you're going to lose something. Of course, they change that because they keep reimagining, and suddenly these stories don't exist, and
2: mm-hmm.
1: so, silly me. But mm-hmm. uh, I, that was my point, you know, you're going to have a different character. Uh, but Stan Lee, as I understand it, had decided to marry, get Peter and Mary Jane married in the newspaper strip and it was decided by Marvel to carry that over into the comic book. And it was going to happen. There's nothing I could do about it. So I decided just to make the best of it and try to do a really interesting story, try to do something very different by making the marriage work. I mean, you know, everyone gets married in comics and seems they get divorced, and there's infidelity or this, that, and the other. And I thought, well, what what if Peter Parker, who has so much going against him, and, and so much to struggle. What if he actually had a happy marriage, and what if he could make that work dramatically and entertainingly? So that was my goal, and I, I saw it as a challenge after I got rid of the disappointment got by that, and yep. uh, that's how I approached that aspect of the book.
0: Is there any changes that you have to do as a writer to write a married Peter Parker versus the one in Webb that was single?
1: Well, it's kind of hard to have him go out on a date. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean he's got huge responsibilities. I mean the whole key Stan Lee's line with great, uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Mm-hmm. Well now Peter Parker's responsibilities have been kicked up a huge notch.
2: Yeah, he just
1: doesn't have friends and girlfriends and, and an aunt. He's got a wife. Yeah, So he's has a huge amount of responsibility to uh, anyway to her life and to now you know take care of himself because if he dies, he's not just going to leave mourners, he's going to leave a widow. Right. So. Yeah, you know, there's, yeah. There, there are a lot of things he can't do and a lot of things he's got to take his different angle at, a different view of. Right.
0: And then, uh, around issue 298, you got teamed up with the up and coming artist Todd McFarlane and leading. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he, uh, you led up to that incredible number 300 issue, which is still in my top 10 of favorite issues of all time. Uh, so, what, what, uh, what do you think of teaming up with McFarlane? What was that experience like?
1: Uh, if you can go to heaven without dying that's it. Uh, <laughs> it was just it was just he came on the book the, the guy was a 100% professional mm-hmm. which and it's a joy to work with a professional b he was a great storyteller so those are the top two things and then as a nice little additional aside wow did he draw great pictures no know? kid i mean you know he drew these great this, this interesting interesting that's the key interesting you can have exciting but so they can still be dull, you know, if they're not interesting. But he was just great, interesting artwork and technique. He followed the plots. He told the story clearly. Uh, right, putting dialogue on interesting pictures makes the dialogue so much more interesting. I mean, okay. if you've got dull pictures, it's, you're really going to have to work hard to write clever dialogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, because at that point, I mean, Marvel writes mostly, full, does mostly full script from what I understand now. But that, you know, Perhaps. you did the plot. And then the pencils were drawn, and then you wrote the dialogue to the pencils. And it was just so much fun writing to Todd's <laughs> pencils. So yep. yeah, it was a big step up in you know all levels.
0: What what happened between the web eighteen of your idea of the female Venom versus turned out to be Eddie Brock? How did how did that change happen? Uh,
1: the editor uh, Jim Salacro of Amazing, uh, well, I, all three of them by then, I guess. Uh, wanted to do something special for issue 300, and suggested uh, we create a new villain. So I, at that point, having you know having not been able to continue that character, the King Venom and Webb, suggested the character for issue 300. Jim liked it, but and any feminist write to Jim, not to me, uh, <laughs> said he didn't know that the readers would accept a female character going toe to toe physically with Spider-Man. Right. So. I said, okay, we'll change it to a male. Well, that kind of killed the origin, because you don't have a lot of pregnant males. You know? <laughs> so uh, th- at that point, I came up with the Eddie Brock character and the link to Peter David's uh, Sin Killer storyline uh, mm-hmm. that he had done in Spectacular, because it's always nice to tie in with other stuff. It makes people think, you know, you, I should know what you're doing, uh, <laughs> and you plan these things out. Uh, yeah. So I came up with the Eddie Brock character and the origin at that point, and we put it in issue 300. Right. Are you, are,
0: do you wish you could go back in time? Do you wish? Do you, do you prefer the female origin better?
1: I I have no idea where that would have gone. Yeah. Um, I, I like Eddie Brock. I like what we did with Venom. Uh, now, as far as going back and make a different, it would have been a completely different character, and yeah. uh, I have no idea where it would have gone. So I, I really can't compare
0: it. You can't complain that it caught on though. That that uh, that Venom character. What are we going on? T- 20 years of that character?
2: Eight. Uh, 88 98 2008
0: yeah 198 yeah 20 years 88 to 2008 20 years and that character is still in the top 5 of most popular Spider-Man villains You're, you are uh, a Ditko villain uh, he is not so he's in the top of them um, so what's it like to create a character that is so well loved i mean he's he's in the top 5 of best Spider-Man villains of all time it's
1: just immensely gratifying yeah um, to do anything that lasts That people remember even the next month. Yeah, cool. Like 20 years, of people still like you know I did I did something right. (laughs) You know. Yeah. (laughs) How many times can you do that? It's it's just it's it's very very it's it's humbling and satisfying and very pleasing.
0: And another one you knocked out of the park was uh, Carnage. You created the Carnage character. Tell me a bit about that.
1: That was almost even more satisfying than Venom because we did Carnage. It was the last character. It was the last storyline I did between changes in editors, and uh, I, I lost a lot of control over the storylines with a new editor. And but he he allowed this to go through pretty much as is. So I was very happy with that. And it was I had just again trying to think of the, the unique aspects of a character. Here you've got Venom, who is uh, an unrepentant psychopathic serial killer, but he's got this bizarre sense of morality. Yeah. He wants to protect he considers himself a victim, so he wants to protect other innocent people now he'll plow through an entire like school bus full of nuns and orphans <laughs> get to a, a meowing kitten caught up a tree because yeah. he wants to save that innocent little creature but in his mind he's doing what's right yeah. okay what if you give these powers to someone who has no sense of morals who's immoral? Yeah. So that's how Carnage came about to, to to explore that aspect, the the other side of this, this the Venom character. Wow. Um, the reason it was so gratifying is that it had absolutely no advertising, no publicity, no push, and the first issue sold out. It's mm-hmm. it's. It, you know and the second issue sold out, and they finally kicked up the the production um, the numbers until uh you know the third one didn't sell out, but it was like to go to second printing was ex- extremely rare at that time, and the fact that it was because of the story and the characters, not because of any publicity or any push or anything is something we did to make a good story, and it was it sold out and that's like that's why you know it's not because we did fourteen covers <laughs> or, or we guest starred you know Potato Man or something like that. <laughs> we did a story that we thought was good and the the audience loved it and it was and like wow that's the way it's supposed to be it was great
0: and I love mark Bagley's uh, design of it did, did that match what your image of the character looked like
1: uh I, pretty much i mean i i am I'm not an artist and i, I think right. i have to go back to the script and or the plot and and mm-hmm. see how it was described i i describe it as like Red and black, like roiling around and ever changing, but uh, mm-hmm. I certainly was happy with the design.
2: Yeah, it's
0: it's classic. Uh, one of the big storylines that you crossed over with of the '90s was everybody talks about Maximum Carnage. Was it a he- was it a headache to coordinate 14 different parts, 14 different writers? I guess I don't know. <laughs> what was what was Carnage Maximum Carnage
1: like? Yeah, I didn't I didn't have a lot to do with that. That again was a project that the the current editor. Uh, instituted, uh, and I just, you know, pretty much took my chapters and, and yeah. wrote them as best I can, and, you know, tried to leave off where I was supposed to for the next guy. Yeah. Uh, so is, that, I just, I
0: just, is that hard to do? Because I, I remember Peter David talking about how it's hard to ra- write part three, hard to write part six. Is that How, how challenging is that as a writer?
1: It's... it's uh, Oh, it's definitely challenging, but you know, a challenge can be a good thing if you right. if you look at it that way. But yeah, it's difficult because you lose control. You've got elements that you didn't create that you may not like or agree with. You might get stuff thrown at you that you don't really understand. And well, how come you did this? You know, <laughs> you're stuck with it because it's already written, and you don't really right. know the motivation or why you would do that. And you have to work with that either make it work for you or kind of gloss over it and hope no one notices. Uh, yeah, I had the same thing. I, I wrote action comics for like three years at, at DC. And mm-hmm. I was. It had four monthlies and a quarterly. It came out every week, and I was basically one step of a writer. And I experienced the same thing then. I would be given, you know, the previous week's story would would end like in a, uh, a cliffhanger. And yeah. I'd like, oh, how the hell do I solve that? And I had to spend <laughs> several pages on that, and then gear it towards the specific end that was supposed to lead to the next story. Yeah. So it was it was a, a job. More than a, a, a fun task. It was it was a job. I was yeah. I was earning my money as a commercial writer. Yeah. So that's that's how kind of it, uh, the overall feeling of writing uh, a multi-part parts of a multi-part story.
0: Right. And after the Carnage arc uh, you had the Peter Parker parents, that's kind of hard to say. Peter Parker parents arc. Uh what Peter was Parker's
1: your parents picked a peck of pickle pickle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> was was the original plan to make them robots or did you really ha- want them to just be a normal part of the cast?
1: There was no plan.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: the entire length of that storyline, I had no idea who these characters were.
2: Wow. The editor
1: decided we'll bring back his parents. Okay. Okay, fine. Well, who are they? I don't know. <laughs> but we'll figure it out. Uh okay. Are they Skrulls? Are they really <laughs> his parents? Are they imposters? I don't know. We'll figure that out. <laughs> Every issue, I had to continue this storyline not knowing what it where it was going or what these characters were. It was because my editor wouldn't tell me. Because my editor didn't know. Mm. It was extremely difficult to do. No and, kidding. Uh, it was a tough time. So yeah. I did. Until you mentioned it, I didn't even know they were robots. Because I, I stopped reading the book after I left.
0: Oh, okay. So,
1: <laughs> they were robots. Well, good for them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, May they live in cyber peace. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> talk a bit about what led to you leaving. I think 388 was your last book. I could be wrong. I'm not sure. Well,
1: but. Yeah, 388, uh, the 94 annual. Yeah. yeah, that was my regular issue. Regular issue. Talk,
0: talk about what led you to leave.
1: Uh, I had started out doing the book for three reasons
2: mm-hmm.
1: because it was, it was fun, because it was, you know, uh, I, I was writing Spider Man, my, exactly. my character, and because it, was, it paid well. Mm -hmm. Uh, The time I left, the only reason I was doing it was because it paid well. Mm. Um, Like I say, the new editor had uh, put a lot of research. He and I had different ideas on storylines, where they should go, how they should be told. Uh, I was doing, for the most part, writing stories that the editor wanted done, uh, trying to do my best to make them as interesting and fun as I could on my own, but without a lot of control about where things were going. And I finally realized, you know, doing it just for the money is compromising myself and compromising the book. Yeah. Uh, so rather than continuing that way, I uh, decided I would leave. So I left the
0: book. And it sounds like you got out just in time because the clones hit, and you would be writing a lot of three parts and six parts, and <laughs> more maximum carnage, it seems.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I was. I came back to do a, a five-part story. Uh, gosh, what was it? Venom, Matt, Venom uh, Planet of the Planet of the Symbiotes.
0: Oh, the an- the annual thing. Yeah, I remember that.
1: Yeah, and it, was, it had the 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 Scarlet Spider and and a clone. The, who was a clone? He wasn't a clone. He was a clone. Yeah, that <laughs> was confusing. That was very tough too. But uh, I thought I'd give it a try. You know, and Spider Man, the lure of Spider and writing Spider Man. Yeah, yeah. I uh, that was not my favorite.
0: Have you wanted to come back and write the character? Or have you got some stories ro- rocking around your brain that you want to tackle of Spider-Man?
1: I, it depends on who Spider-Man is. I mean, uh, uh, apparently that uh, the recent storyline has day in it. Something day.
0: <laughs> one, one more day. Or one brand day. new day. Brand new day, I'm sorry.
1: Brand new day, yeah, yeah, which I haven't read but people told me about it. It basically means all of my stories never happen. So, I, it would depend. I mean, I love Spider-Man. I love the character I re- used to read, I used to write. Uh, on the a, Incredibly unlikely uh, event that someone actually offered me a Spider-Man job. Uh, Marvel is not thrilled with, with, you know, Marvel hasn't exactly been knocking my door down with offers, but mm-hmm. I had the chance to write Spider-Man. I'd have to read some of the Spider-Mans yeah. that are out now and see if it's a character that I'd want to write. Um,
2: right.
1: So I wouldn't want to go back and write stories that I didn't like, that I didn't about a character I didn't care for.
0: Right. So,
1: it would depend. Writing the old Spider-Man, sure. That would be great. i got a, <laughs> uh, a clause of both stories. But, you have
0: that uh, the Iron Man The End, I think, coming up, too, don't you? That yeah. April, with yeah. Bob Layton.
1: Coming out in, they tell me now, November. Okay. <laughs> it keeps getting pushed back, but they, awesome. November, they tell me
0: now. Well, that's my part of the interview. Let's move on to our message board questions. We've got uh, from around the world. Let's start off with Scotland for you, David. Uh, his first question from Funny K is, at the time when you – when yourself and Todd McFarlane were on Amazing, it started to ship twice a month. Do you think that was a success?
1: Okay, first off, I love Scotland. <laughs> I, 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 I've been there, and, gosh, this is a wonderful. I, I love it. It's beautiful. Anyway, <laughs> um, that was, again, dictated by, by Marvel. They wanted uh, sales traditionally kicked up in the summer back then. I, I think it's more even year-round now, but a lot of things have changed. But uh, they wanted to take advantage of that and mm. make – several of the books bi-weekly to, to make more money. I mean, to make more sales and that's their business. That's what was it successful? Uh, yeah, they made more money. The, the sales <laughs> didn't drop. Yeah. You know? um, yeah, I'm getting a call waiting beep here if there's a, 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 a gap in my, uh, uh, my speech here.
0: There was just a little bit but we're fine. <laughs> I can hear you now. Fine.
1: There it went again. That'll it'll kick into my hands. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, so yeah, I, I guess it was successful. It was, I I got two royalty checks a month instead of uh, one, so I I enjoyed Mm -hmm. that. It was a little tough, you know, fitting in three extra stories. But uh, overall, it seemed successful for for the company. Right. Right.
0: What what do you think of the – well, let's – hold on a second. Check one, two. Okay. I just heard my echo for a second. <laughs> I, I think we're okay now. <laughs> I'll edit that part out. What? Okay. You, his other question is about uh, the current three times a month shipping where they have uh, they have like a brain trust of writers. And they write three stories at a time. Then the next guy writes three stories at a time. What do, what do you think of that is his other question?
1: Is that, is that over three titles?
0: No, it's all in the amazing title. They, it ah. ships ships three times a month. And it has some uh, continuity with it. Every month. Mm-hmm. Three times a month.
1: How bizarre! <laughs> uh, I, um, I don't know. I wow. I I don't know. It's, I I I certainly wouldn't be my first choice on how to write a book. It's right. you know again sounds like the whole thing about being multiple writers. If you got to do continuity within someone else's continuity, mm-hmm. and then you write three issues, and then you got to wait until. Something else, or you go off and do something else, and maybe come back into another individual story. Yeah. Um, No, I don't know if the readers like it, and if it works for Marvel, it's fine.
0: Yeah. Uh, Tetsu Man from Springfield, Missouri, says, "What was the most fun moment in being a writer, and the hardest moment in being a writer for you?"
1: Overall, or Spider-Man? Uh,
0: let's do (laughs) Spider-Man.
1: Okay. Well. Most fun, I guess, was had to be writing Amazing Spider Man when Todd McFarlane was drawing it. Yeah. Because that was just this, my, my dream job, my dream character, and one of the best artists on the planet. That was just, that was great. Now, difficult. Uh, and Spider Man was my last year or two writing Amazing Spider Man when I, I wasn't really happy and didn't have a lot of control over what the kind of stories I, I was writing.
0: Right. You can tackle that question again. What's your favorite uh, moment in writer of all time and hardest of all time? Not Spider-Man.
1: <laughs> uh, we're going over about 60 years here, so uh, <laughs> there's a lot that I can't remember. Uh, gosh, Pops right, would... Boy, that's, uh, you know, uh, if you're talking about overall life, instead mm-hmm. of just or, overall life or the writing process,
0: or whatever, <laughs> however well, you'd like to
1: answer. <laughs> probably one of the best moments as a person, as a writer, is I went to the Toronto Convention in Toronto in, mm-hmm. this last April. It was the first convention i have been to in like 10 years. I spent four hours sitting at a table, didn't have a chance to take a drink of coffee to, because the line was there, people signing. Wow. It. It's like, my God, a lot of people. like my work they like me they like me (laughs) sitting around in in my office by myself i don't get a lot of input Yeah, and so many people are telling me i got into comics reading your books Uh, spider-man such-and-such was the first issue of comedy got me writing reading comics and collecting comics and uh uh, people uh, people will come up uh, one person said uh you know your your demon in a bottle alcoholism story you know got me through a really tough time with with my father, because he had a, uh, an alcohol problem, helped me understand. And getting all this input, realized that that my stories that I've written to entertain people uh, and make a living have actually entertained a lot of people and have meant something to people. It was like it gave me an, a perspective on my life, realizing that you know what I have done has has, has some impact on people, and that was. So amazing and gratifying. It's probably a, if not the highlight of my life as a writer. Writing life, happiest writing time moment is, gosh, probably the first story I, got, I wrote and sold. You know, <laughs> I'm uh, Back in 1973, okay, I did what I wanted to do as a kid. I always wanted to be a writer. I did it. I sold a story. I've been published. That was right. a high point. Low points, uh, When I left D.C., I worked for D.C. Comics for five years, Loyalty, and uh, there were incidents where they kind of turned their back on me, and uh, I felt betrayed, and that was like the first negative feeling, experience that I had in comics, and that was very, very disappointing, so that would probably be the low point uh Ditko
0: Loves Green 77 is his handle from London, England. To reference his handle, he says all the Ditko villains are usually green. They have some kind of green in them. Uh, he says, uh, having written Amazing Spider-Man Annual number 21, where Peter and Mary Jane were married, how do you feel that the story was changed and probably didn't happen after the events of One More Day? What do you think of that?
1: I haven't read One More Day, so okay. I, I really wouldn't have any way to answer that
0: question. Is it is – it, I, I mean, if I was the writer, I would be disappointed that something I wrote was retconned. I mean
1: – Hey, welcome but... to the pub. <laughs>
0: exactly. <Yeah, laughs>
1: I mean, well, the whole thing when they had for a while uh, Peter Parker was supposed to have been a clone and the Scarlet Spider was so supposed to be a real guy. And it's like,
2: yeah.
1: Uh, for a while, it's like all those stories I wrote were a clone. I never actually wrote Peter Parker. That was very disappointing. Okay. So, yeah, having, you know, one of the most important events of my life – <laughs> writing Amazing Spider-Man suddenly be over in this corner with stories that didn't exist. Yeah, I don't like it, but, you oh. know, hey, I don't have anything to say about it.
0: Right. He also says, what are the biggest difficulties in writing stories that contain controversial issues, such as Demon in a Bottle or, uh Tony battled alcoholism?
1: Uh, doing it well, doing it honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one criteria that, that Bob Layton, my co-plotter on Iron Man and I were given when we suggested doing uh, making Tony Stark an alcoholic, uh, to Jim Shooter's credit, the one criterion that he uh, insisted on was just do it well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that's the challenge, you know, to do it, to not, you know, to show all sides, to, to be honest in your portrayal of what it is, not, you know, try to push your own agenda or, or try to, you know, be overly dramatic and uh, do it well and do it honestly. Those are the right. biggest challenges I'd see.
0: Rufus T. Firefly from Montgomery, Illinois, says, I seem to recall that your abbreviated run on the web of Spider-Man uh, ended prematurely, something to do with a story that was gutted at the last minute about Irish terrorists. Is it possible, after all these years, that you can talk more about this and where you had planned to go with that storyline?
1: Yeah, yeah. That uh, I had plotted a three-part story um, dealing with the troubles in Northern Ireland because, as I mentioned before, uh, the editor had required that Peter be outside of New York City for the majority of any year, so I took him and his uh, collaborator uh, journalist uh, Joy Mercado to Ireland. I plotted a three-part story uh, dealing with the troubles in Northern Ireland. I had done um, uh, research on this, and I was trying to present the story. and I, I the the second one had been written, the third one had been plotted. I'm not sure if it was drawn. At the time, the first issue hit the stands when it hit the stands, Marvel got a, a bomb threat called in, and they had to really evacuate the building, yeah, oh. yeah, we didn 't want to talk about it at the time because I was afraid there'd be copycats you know mm. uh, uh, at that point, Marvel said, we got to kill this story uh you know and there you'll notice that after part one, there is a fill in issue mm. uh, that the concluding part is the issue after that what they did is they they wanted me to rewrite. Part two, make it just a two-part story, and have Roxanne Oil be the villain uh, behind all this stuff. Hmm. And my story wasn't saying these people are right and these people are wrong. The entire point of my story was killing people is bad. You mm-hmm. so know, I didn't take a side. I didn't. I, you know, I was being fair to each side. I was trying to be. Like I say, I done my research. Uh, I just want to say killing is bad. And it's like I'm not going to rewrite like that. I'm not going to back off on that. That's what I was saying. It is. <laughs> Obviously, someone's sending in a bomb threat. That's bad. you know. Um, so I wouldn't... On the other hand, if someone sent in a letter bomb and some poor guy in the mail office, a uh, mail department at Marvel, got his hands blown off because of a comic book story that I wrote, how am yeah. I going to live with that? Yeah. So I said, I, I won't go against my principles and rewrite this story, but I'll back off and I'll, you know, I won't write any letters of protest to to the or anything. I won't say a word. If you want, have someone else rewrite it. I won't do it myself, but I'll back away and let you guys do it. So they did that. They put in the fill in, and they had someone. I have no idea who wrote it. We wrote, rewrote the second part, hmm. and had Rakon be the villain. So I never, point,
0: I never knew that story. I never knew that story. That's awesome.
1: Well, like I say, it was. we didn't want any copycats, yeah. so I, I, I haven't talked about it. But, you know, 20-plus years later, mm-hmm. I, as far as I know, they're not doing any part
0: of their Ireland stories either. Yeah. Rufus's uh, second question is, I, he recalls that when you introduced Richard and Mary Parker back into the book, you had intended to have Peter unmasked to the world as part of the storyline. Is that true? And if so, can you also tell us where that storyline was headed?
1: Well, I, I it wasn't tied in with the parent story, because like I mentioned before, I had no idea who the parents were. There was a storyline that I had proposed that I wanted to do that had Peter revealing his secret identity, because at the time, that had never been done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wanted to I, I wanted to explore the reasons why he has a secret identity, why any hero has a secret identity, which is basically, of course, as soon as he revealed his secret identity... He had no private life. I, I, I was going to have him, like, the, the government actually put him up in an uh, old National Guard armory because he couldn't live anywhere because the press and everyone would be there. Of course, his family and his, his, his wife and the MA would be in danger. People wanted to get at them. Uh, and, you know, basically he had to live a life, a cloistered life, because he had no privacy. And then the government was going to say, well, of course we have to have some payment. You know, there's this is a big facility and we're giving you all this protection we'd like you to do these jobs for us and so he found himself hmm. compromised doing jobs uh, for the government some of which might have been somewhat questionable because he had to take care of his wife and his family and, and all this stuff and keep you know, all this protection and so forth and that's where I wanted it to go and uh, eventually I was going to have it reversed I think I was going to have the purple man because he he can uh, his character can impose his will on everyone right. kind of make it go away I, that was I hadn't worked out all the details, but uh, uh, that storyline was not approved, because they thought, eh, no, it would be difficult to make put it all back together. But in these these days of retcons and, and retrofitting and everything, they have no problem changing <laughs> the But that's why that storyline didn't go through.
0: What, what would happen to Mary Jane during that story?
1: She'd get really pissed off. <laughs> uh,
0: because
1: she was just moving from her modeling days to being a recognized actress. Yeah. And... Suddenly, she's married to the most famous guy in the world, mm-hmm. you know, and she would be totally eclipsed, and that was going to create some tension. I wasn't going to break them up, because I swear I'd never do that, because that's the cliché, let's get to divorce, But um, it was going to create tension, because she was going to be Mrs. Spider-Man instead of Mary Jane Watson.
0: Right. Uh, His other question is uh, about the creation of Venom. I always thought that the character of Venom filled a hole left vacant by the death of Norman Osborn, i.e. the arch-villain who knows Spider-Man's secret identity and brings him a deeper feeling of danger than your average villain. Was this the original intent for the character? And if so, do you feel that the return of Norman Osborn makes the Venom character redundant?
1: Okay, I don't know about the return of Norman Osborn. I haven't read those stories. Like I said, I haven't haven't kept up on Spider-Man in recent years. Okay. Um... I was filling a hole. Hello?
0: Oh, you're still there. You're still there.
1: I heard a weird... Uh, oh, I didn't... My call waiting again. Yeah. So we're going to get another beep here. Okay. 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 Um, actually, that's probably Bob Layton. He's out in Hollywood with meetings with people trying to sell our future comics properties. He's <laughs> calling you to to give me a report. So I yeah. may have something yeah. interesting to tell you some other time. Awesome. Um, wow. Anyway, the hole that I wanted to fill was... now. When Venom came out, like, his whole purpose is to kill Spider-Man. That's why he lives. That's why he exists. Uh, there was a story that I did where Eddie Brock thought he had killed Spider-Man on this Caribbean island. And at that point, Venom ceased to exist. It was just it was Eddie Brock, and the, the symbiote, simulated, like, some Hawaiian shirt and some shorts or something. It <laughs> was no longer Venom because Spider-Man was dead. The entire 100% purpose of Venom was to kill Spider-Man. Right, right i got some grief. people writing in, oh, what a cliche, everyone wants to kill Spider-Man, but they don't. Think about it. The people who fight Spider-Man aren't looking for him. Dr. Octopus didn't come after Spider-Man. The Kameon didn't go after Spider-Man. The Vulture didn't go after Spider-Man. They wanted to do their criminal acts, and Spider-Man got in the way. They wanted to avoid him. <laughs> they didn't want to see him again in their entire life. Nobody wanted to go after him. At the time, this was a unique aspect. Yeah. This guy just wanted to kill Spider-Man. That's the right. whole reason he existed. So that's the hole I wanted to fill. And a lot of people didn't understand, or some people didn't understand that. Right. But uh, that was the reason for, you know, that was the hole I wanted to fill. Yeah.
0: And his final qu—final question is, uh, he was hoping he could get some insight, what you feel your most personal comic book story you've ever written, Spider-Man or not?
1: Uh, but again, that's that's an advantage of uh, an email uh, yeah, interview because I could go through the 600 plus stories that I've had published <laughs> and figure out which one.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I can't do
1: that off the top of my head. Okay. I, I really can't. Uh, person, most of them were done to try to entertain. And within that, if I've had things I wanted to say, I, I've tried to say them. But uh, right. I don't know that I've ever had an, an agenda as far as, okay, this is a point I want to make. No, like I say, the Ireland story, I wanted to make a point. That you know, telling people is bad. So I've had points, but I don't know. You know, I'd have to go back and try to think about what was actually a personal viewpoint I wanted to get
0: across. Crazy Chris says, "What is your favorite Spider-Man story from the past five years?" We kind of established that, but if you haven't read one, he asks, uh, "When and why did you stop reading Spider-Man?"
1: Uh, I stopped reading it when I left the book. Mm-hmm. Um, why? I rarely read anything when I leave it because. It's not going to be the character I was involved with, that I had invested myself in. Whoever comes in, they may write great stories, may write stories that are head and shoulders above mine, but they're not going to be the character that I had affection for, no matter how well it's done. So it's just frustrating to read characters, read stories after I've been, No, 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 I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't <laughs> going to go there. You wouldn't do that. So that's the reason I stopped you know, reading Spider-Man. Right. Uh,
0: Kappel 2000 from Brazil. Huh? So, have you ever been to Brazil? I haven't been.
1: No, Ecuador is the closest I've been.
0: <laughs> he says, uh, do you have anything that you wrote, and after those years, would you do, what would you do differently if you had the chance?
1: Well, I'd write some of the sucky stories better. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't think I'd write anything different, you know, because everything that I wrote was of its time. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are stories. I've gone back and read some old Iron Man stories for recent IM projects that I've done for Marvel. There are references, you know, uh, to to Rodney Dangerfield and, and all kinds of people who are current, you know, um, uh, in the in society and and, and entertainment and this, this kind of stuff. Uh, current issues that are dated now. And you know, I don't, you know, why reimagine it? You know, if I want to tell a story now, I'll do a new story. Right. And those stories were of their time. You know, I was generally happy with them and. I'd let them be what they are, and if I want to do
0: something new, I'd do something new. Right. Uh, Let's see. Leopard Lad from London says, okay. Towards the end of your run on Amazing, you had to take part in several crossover stories that spanned across the other Spider titles, Maximum Carnage, for instance. Do you ever wish you could have had more control over the events which were occurring in the story, and was it difficult having to continue directly from someone else's story? We kind of hit that upon, but do you...
1: Yeah, the answers are yes and no. <laughs>
0: Yes and no. Spider- Spidercraft from uh, Novi, Michigan. Uh, what do you think of Venom being the Scorpion? Evidently, the uh, the Scorpion villain is now Venom.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. My take on the character is Venom is Eddie Brock and the alien symbiote. Right. Anyone else is not Venom. Uh, if you put him on uh, the Scorpion, who's I don't even know who his identity if that's changed. It's not Venom. You can call him Ma- Venom. He can look like Venom. He's not going to be Venom. Yeah, Mac Gargan like,
0: Ar- is... Mac uh Gargan, right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> I like the character. I wrote him. But uh, anyway, it's not... It's not In my mind, it's not Venom. It's an, it's, a, it's. like you can't take Captain America's costume and, and put it on Harry Osborn, and he's Captain America.
2: No, All right.
1: he's, he's Harry Osborn wearing a Captain America costume. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I actually had a story. I wanted to do storyline with Venom where, I forget why, but the symbiote and Eddie Brock got... Um, separated, and I was going to do a story over several issues, where the symbiote got on other people for, like, an issue. Uh, on a bad guy, on a good guy, on a total stranger, mm-hmm. and and then eventually get back with Eddie Brock. Specifically, to make the point that when it got on the other people, these other people, it wasn't Venom anymore. Then when it yeah. got back with Eddie Brock, it was Venom. So, anyway, that's just my take on it. You yeah. know, Venom as Scorpion could be great, it could be terrific. Um... But, and, you know, from my, my viewpoint,
0: it's, it's not venom. Right. Uh, Scooter, we don't know where Scooter is from, but he says, you were the writer who not only destroyed Spidey's red and blue costume, but you also brought it back. Were both of those stories editorially mandated? Which of the two stories do you prefer?
1: Okay, I don't remember destroying his costume. Do you remember what issue of what book?
0: I, was I think he's talking about Webb, or that month, uh, where he was missing in all three books. Right, and, right. and then he had to go back and, and put on a black suit and in 300 he had the black suit and then put on the dye spine or whatever it says on the back of the suit. The, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think he's referencing that.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I am I honestly don't remember specifically whether uh, I was, it was an editorial dictate to get rid of the red and blue costume. Um, So I, I can't say that. I doubt that I would just do it right on my own, but I don't know why I would. But, Putting it back, going back to the red and blue costume was something I certainly wanted to do because uh, the black and white costume was was spiffy uh it was very interesting I liked the look, but it just wasn't spider man to me it's like yeah. putting superman in, in green and yellow it just you know it's not the character so and i from what I understand Todd McFarlane was also very much wanted to put the, uh, the red and blue back so when I got on amazing um that's one of the things I wanted to do, and having um, Venom terrorize Mary Jane and have her traumatized at the black and white costume seemed to be a good way to get uh, Spider-Man from ever wearing that again. Which right. you know <laughs> lasted a few years, but uh, <laughs> it was ultimately overturned by other writers. But hey, it's a job. Uh,
0: <laughs> Scooter's other question is: much of your Spider-Man work has been collected, but a lot of it has not. Uh, he's talking about trade paperbacks. Which story of yours would you most like to see collected that has not been?
1: That's uh, another one of those questions that if I had a chance to go through the stacks,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, I could probably answer more easily.
0: Like your demon in a bottle has been reprinted a bunch.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, was he talking specifically Spider-Man or overall?
0: Well, I, probably overall. If Well, no, he says your spider work has been collected. Yeah. It's always talking about like your McFarlane run has been collected. Strangely <laughs> enough, it's in the Todd McFarlane Visionaries. Why didn't they co- put your name on that thing?
1: <laughs> oh, well, because I'm afraid I'm not a visionary. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they had. I was my a lot of my Avengers stuff was in George Perez Visionaries too. So yeah, what can I tell you? Uh, any of the any of the McFarlane stuff that hadn't been collected, I'd love to have co- collected. Because mm-hmm. um, that's just it's just some of my favorite stuff ever. Uh, outside of Spider-Man, I did a uh, six issues of a, a, a series called The Boz Chronicles for uh, Epic uh, uh, at Marvel, and uh, I'd love to have that collected because they've become very rare and hard to get, and if, if something ever happens to my issues, I'd love to have it for that and have let people read it because that's, right. that's probably that along with my um, Farland Spider-Man run, and my, especially my first Iron Man run with uh, John Rader Jr. and Bob Layton. Mm -hmm. Those are probably my three favorite projects of of all time in comics. I'd love to see it collected.
0: Uh, Zarius from Scotland says, uh, Venom's wife was killed off in 2000 under Howard Mackey after being driven to suicide by bonding with the Venom symbiote for a few years. Do you think more could have been explored with Venom's wife in the future or would it have inevitably led to a, a domestication of Brock?
1: Oh, Eddie Brock... Uh, the psychopath domesticated? I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I, I, again, I haven't read those stories. I don't know how they were handled. I didn't have any plans offhand to do anything with Eddie and his. Didn't someone give him a son or something? Um, uh, that I, was,
0: that... I don't think so. Uh, well, well, they, they Carnage and and Venom had a kid named Toxin. <laughs> but Yeah, they. Well, they. they yeah, exactly. It was kind of asexual or something. I don't know.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. Again, pushing the envelope. Right. They, gotcha.
0: They made an action figure.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. I think I'll leave that on the shelf. Um. Yeah, I didn't have any plans for for any of any family stuff offhand. Whether I would have explored it in the future, I have no idea. Yeah.
0: And his Zarius' other question is, Peter and Venom's infamous truce at the conclusion of their long-term feud irked many fans, and many claim it was one of the seeds sown to later reveal Peter was a clone. Now that it was established that this Peter Parker was the original, do you think this is something he'd plausibly do at this stage in his life? And if so, the clone saga idea hadn't come up. Would this storyline have ended any differently with the truce of Spider-Man and Venom?
1: No, it had nothing to do with the Clone Saga, because nobody had mentioned that, even if it had been thought about I never heard about it, fortunately. Uh, <clears throat> the whole story about Venom and the truce and, and Venom getting his own book was, I w- they wa- Marvel wanted to give Venom his own regular monthly series. Uh, I was asked to do it. I turned it down. Uh, this this is a guy is an unrepentant, psychopathic, serial killer, <laughs> hey, he ain't a good guy. How are you going to write a series about this guy? He ain't a good guy. He, wants to be, he slaughters people. You know. How can you make that sympathetic? Right. I, mean, I think he has a certain sympathy he feels that he's a victim. I think that's one, one key to the story. He has sympathy because he believes he's a victim and he's helping people even though he doesn't because he's insane. Uh, so I was asked a second time later on if I would do the monthly book. I said, no, thank you. Finally, they ask a third time, they said, well, will you just do a mini-series, do a four-issue mini-series and set it up? At that point, I reconcile myself to the fact that they're going to do this. No matter what yeah. I say, they're going to do this. Maybe if I set it up in a semi-believable way, get things so that maybe the other writers who come after me will you know, stick to that enough and it will at least make some kind of sense. So that's why the one thing you had to do, is, is, is separate Spider-Man and Venom. That's why I took him to San Francisco. It's as far as away way he can get and still be in the continental United States from New York. Uh, because if, if Venom saw Spider-Man, he's going to try to kill him. Yep. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So walking down the street. He's going to abandon whatever he's doing. He's going to try to kill him. So you can't have him cross crossing paths. So I, I constructed the story that set him up in San Francisco. I used the other element the two main elements being he hates Spider-Man, the, element, other, oh, the, pardon me. <laughs> the other element being he feels he's a victim. I utilized that to make him a, feel like he's a protector. He's protecting innocence,
2: innocent yeah.
1: people. Uh, and I moved into San Francisco. I, I, I contrived that truce with Peter Parker, figuring, okay, I can't beat this guy. But if I have time enough away from him, maybe I can figure out a way to end him forever and but the best way to keep him from going berserk and killing people to get to me is to stay away from him at this point. Right. And I set that up and hope and I did they after I'd agreed they turned it into six issues rather than four. But uh that's why that happened and that was the reason and it wasn't you know right. the best thing in the world. It's the best I could do under the circumstances. Right.
0: Wombat909, our last question, is from the United Kingdom. He said, "When you first created Venom, did you ever think that there would be more symbiotes like Carnage and Toxin that could be created?"
1: Uh, no. When I first came up with the character, it didn't occur to me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, then I had the idea of, of when I had the idea for Carnage, I wanted to look at the the idea of someone with this power but without any sense of morality, and I came up with Carnage. Then I came up with the whole other idea of the symbiote spawning and and giving. Then uh, when I was doing the Venom miniseries, I was requested by the editor to create more symbiotes, and at that point I realized, oh, this is not a good thing. Uh, <laughs> you know, because the more symbiotes you got, the less unique your character becomes. Yeah. Uh, it's like giving 14 other people spider powers, and you know, <laughs> you know which Spider-Man is it? Hence so, the uh, hence
0: the Clone Saga. <laughs> uh, uh,
1: so I, I established in in the miniseries, the Venom miniseries, that each symbiote only has, I think it was six seeds. So, mm. and that these five seeds that were that were taken from Venom to create these other five symbiote characters uh, were the last. He could never spawn again <laughs> and because they were. Uh, extracted artificially, they aged um at a, at, a, at an increasing rate, and they turned to dust, so I thought, great, okay, I've gotten rid of all the symbiotes. There never be another symbiote. <laughs> I'm so naive um, so, and i honestly i didn't even think about i don't think I thought about carnage him spawning. I probably would have said that you know because he was raised under earth conditions, he was um infertile or something <laughs> but, uh, well that can make it.
0: That would piss a villain off, wouldn't it? That'd give him a motivation.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think you've been creating a new character.
0: Yeah, there you go. The infertile symbiote.
1: <laughs> you? Okay. Well, maybe he would go after a to- a Toxin because of that. was anger. Yeah,
0: there you go. Hey, one other question before we go. I-, I wanted to see what you thought of Spider-Man 3 because you saw your villain up on the screen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like uh, mixed feelings. Uh, yeah. But I have to tell you, seeing Venom, the same thing with... Um, uh, Jim Rhodes in the Iron Man movie, because he was a character that uh, Bob Layton and I created when we were plotting Iron Man.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's like, seeing the character, I mean, I have some problems with the movie. I think he should have been saved for the fourth movie. should have just had the symbiote in the third movie, have Eddie Brock turn into Venom in the, in the fourth movie for main villain. there was too much going on, I think. Yeah. But uh, I gotta tell you,
2: <laughs> in...
1: That guy that I made up, sitting at my desk at my typewriter back then, not even with computers, and making this guy up, and seeing him on a big screen movie, yeah, was kind of a kick, you know. <laughs> kind of okay. Like like every time uh, Robert Downey Jr. said J- Robert Downey Jr. said, uh, "Roddy, let me tell you, about it. I got this little, thing going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I made that guy up," you know. You got what your was it?
0: it wasn't your spider sense; it was your writer sense tingling when you got that, that happened. So that's awesome. No,
1: I love puns, and you've just made a friend for life.
0: <laughs> well, David, I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for taking time. Uh, you have fans across the world and a lot on my board, and we appreciate you taking the time, sir.
1: It was my pleasure. I appreciate uh, your interest.
0: Before we go, let's give some uh, plugs for upcoming work that you have coming up. We have the Iron Man End book coming.
1: Yeah, that uh, that's coming out in November, a one-shot, 48-page uh, story. Uh, uh, plotted by Bob Layton and myself, scripted by me, penciled by Bernard Chang and inked by Bob Layton.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's the only new thing I got coming up. They're coming up with a uh, in October. They're coming up with a, coming out with a uh, uh, hardback collection of the Iron Man Legacy of Doom uh, miniseries.
0: That was great, um, by the way. I read that.
1: Oh, thanks. It was uh, surprisingly fun. I, I really <laughs> enjoyed doing that. I, I, Every time I come back to one of these characters, I think, oh, I've written out of them. I I find, wow, oh, I really like this. So yep. uh, it was fun. But that, that's coming out. Uh, as far as I know, that's it. You know? okay. <laughs> That's it for me. I'll I'll be sitting at home watching soap operas and eating bonbons. <laughs> well,
0: I would love you to come back here and tackle your favorite character and my favorite character because you did such a great job.
1: Well, write your friendly neighborhood editors.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> If all all the listeners do, we we might have you a job in the future. That would be awesome.
1: Uh, I would be grateful.
0: All right. David, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, Like I say, it was my pleasure. Thank you for, for the interest. And many thanks to David for taking time and answering all of our spider questions. Be sure to check out his Iron Man The End book coming soon. Also thanks to mailordercomics.com for sponsoring the show. And if you'd like to check out one of David's best books, which is Iron Man Demon in a Bottle, Mailorder has it on sale and the cover price is 24.99. Mailorder has it for 15.49 dollars 49 So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Thanks as always for listening gang. I really appreciate it.
2: I'm Brad Douglas from the spider